Hello everyone, welcome to Maritime Software Hub. In this episode, I'm excited to be, to be joined by Harriet Hunnisett Johnson, who is the head of Maritime for Signal. So a really interesting company that's very focused on the more behavioral science side of digital digitalization and how the crew utilize digital um, solutions on board vessels. So lots of interesting stuff to learn from, from her. She has spent the early part of her career on board vessels, mainly on the kind of the cruise side, but also has had a really good transition into digital technology, in particular working in product management roles uh, while she's been on, on shore for the last 10 or so years. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll speak again soon. Hi, Harriet. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Helen. Great to finally speak to you. I know we've had a couple of conversations um, in the build-up to this, but it's really exciting to to introduce you to our audience and also to, to learn a bit more about your history, your background, and obviously Signal Solutions. So for those that don't know, know you, obviously you're Harriet Hunnisett-Johnson from uh, Signal. Would love it if you could perhaps give us a bit of a, an overview of your background and tell us a bit more about yourself would be fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, Callum. So I am currently working for a company called Signal and I'm head of maritime here at Signal. But my background was at sea. I was a seafarer for about nine years. I sailed up to chief officer and then I came ashore and went into software development. So that's my little bit about my background and where I've been and what I've done. And I can go on and tell you a bit more about my career if you would like. Yeah, love it. Especially those early days uh, on board vessels must have been fantastic. How long were you were you sailing for? Yeah, so I was at sea for about nine years, but my love for the sea started with tall ships, really. And that was back yeah. when I was 16, so it was a, a long time ago now. And I joined a three-masted topsail schooner called the Malcolm Miller. I was on board for just two weeks and I got introduced to the wonders of the sea uh, and seasickness. <laughs> and also some of those amazing characters on board those beautiful vessels and I completely fell in love so then when I was old enough I went and did a cadetship with P&O Cruises so that's um, that's how I got into it eventually and were any of your family already in, in the shipping space or were you kind of the first no I was the first I was the nutter of the family let me <laughs> <laughs> decided I no. wanted to do something completely different no, it's great. I, I really wish I'd spent um, some time on board ships earlier in my career. I, I went to a few kind of vessel closing and, and, and deliveries, but never really went there on a voyage uh, for any length and things. So it would have been a great experience. So it's excellent. I'm sure it's helped you obviously later in your career and in your current role massively. So it's a really good background. Very interesting. So if you could tell us a bit about Signal, the solution and, and, and your position in the company as head of Maritime, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess a kind of need to sort of start from from my move ashore and and so what I did from there because I sort of I sailed up to chief officer but when I was on board the ship I spent a lot of time looking at the software on board the bridge and realizing that it quite clearly been built by someone who had no idea about what happened on the bridge of a ship it's a crazy world out there let's be honest it's very different unless you've been there you don't get it mm. um I think the biggest example, or the best example of this was we, I remember we had a screen for housing the stabilizer fins. You know, you have stabilizers, they stick out under the ship to stop it rolling about and you put them in when you don't need them because they create unnecessary drag. Yeah. And so when everyone's in bed, you, you house them. But it just didn't have a dimmer switch on it, which is actually turns out to be quite a big thing because a lot of the time on the bridge is spent in the dark. The office of the watch, you need your night vision to see any navigational hazards yeah. out the window. And, you know, a bright screen in your face means you can't see out the window. 
it was just such a clear oversight that resulted in us having this piece of plastic and blue tag that oh, wow. you had to stick up on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was just another small indicator of that problem. The idea that, you know, the people who built this just didn't get it. Yeah, and it must be quite difficult to, to, to fix that. I imagine uh, if it's, certainly if it's hardware built kind of f- first and foremost to try and take it out and change the solution must have been pretty tricky. You find ways around. But, yeah. Uh, but I think it just starts you thinking and then you sit there on the bridge and there's a lot of long hours on those night watches <laughs> with thinking time and I start you start rebuilding all the software in your head. And so that's why when I eventually did come ashore, I actually went into software development, which is a bit of a sort of career change. It was always mm. within the maritime industry. But I think that's what led me to do it, realizing there's this problem and that there's a bridge that I wanted to wanted to um, be a part of creating. And yeah, and so then I went into the world of software development, which was fascinating. And I just love being a part of that process that makes the software to help crew um, and also vessel operators who are communicating with the crew as well. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's mostly all about trying to just reduce that workload for the crew on board. And then I come to Signal. Um, so I was, yeah, I've been ashore about 10 years now. So that's how long the, my career has been going in software development. So coming from being a product owner and now I'm so head of, of maritime at Signal. At Signal, we sort of, I found the next problem. <laughs> and that, it was just, it's not just actually the design of the software that's heading to ships at the barrier. Um, but crew buy-in is just yeah. key to any new system or software being successfully introduced on board. So Signal is a startup that uses behavioral science. Um, we have behavioral scientists and data scientists and software developers. And use behavioral science to nudge and to motivate fuel saving behaviors. So it's positivity, nudging with positivity. Yeah. Um, it started in the airline industry with pilots, but during COVID, when all the planes were grounded, um, they looked to move to shipping. Um, and that's where I came in. I'm, and then I sort of came in as head of maritime around the projects that sort of first of all investigated um, whether implementing these techniques at sea would work. And they really do. We've proven yeah. staggering results. We've saved loads of fuel on vessels just by acknowledging and positively motivating the crew from you know little tugs right up to great big tankers and, and container vessels. It's been really, really interesting, really exciting work. Yeah. And I, I imagine what it was like back then when, when you were on board the vessels, when you had, for example, that piece of software and that bit, bit of um, solution you were talking about earlier, was there kind of much training or kind of initial kind of uh, overview of the, the systems that were in place back then as far as using digital technology on board vessels? The technology varied so much from vessel to vessel. You do a generic merchant navy officer of the watch ticket. But then when I went on to cruise ships, for example, the technology of bridge of a cruise ship was very different to your know, average bulker, for example. Um, yeah. You're not going to get a bulker with stabilizer fins, let's be honest. <laughs> if you roll, you roll on one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Build their gin and tonic, it's okay. <laughs> okay. So the technology so varies very differently. So the training obviously varies depending on, on who it is that you are, you're doing your cadetship with. I was lucky. Uh, P&O cadetship, was, they did a lot of training and they actually, Carnival UK have their own training center. And so they offer training over and above all of that. But technology is changing so quickly, so fast and it. These, the crew are being introduced to new technology all the time. And so there's no way that you can cover every piece of new technology in a training yes. course. So you just have to adapt. And that's a skill that you learn as a seafarer. And how does Signal monitor and kind of capture those 
behaviors is it through kind of like case studies or you you, you go on one of the team goes on board with the crew to, to watch their interactions how does it work yeah it's a mixture because not only do we have to find the behavior and you'd find the behaviors by as you say going on on board watching the crew working out what they do asking the crew you know what do you actually do it's it it seems so simple, but, but you learn a lot that way. But then you also have to be able to measure it. You have to be able to tell whether that behavior or that practice is happening on a daily basis. And this is where the problem comes because we have a long list of behaviors. But unless you can measure them, unless you have the data to mm. see that behavior, you can't then start nudging on it because you can't say, oh, well done. You've done this behavior five times in the last week because you don't know it unless you've got the data to tell you that. So you are sort of limited by the data that you have. But then you can nudge on sort of broader th- actions. So you can nudge on just general sort of daily fuel consumption of the main engine. And then you can let the seafarer themselves decide the actions that they are going to take to reduce that. Um, okay. And actually that works really well because every vessel is different. Even sister ships are different in the way that they work. And that means that you can sort of cross all the different types of vessels with the same behavior or the same nudge. But then you can do more specific ones as well. So we've got a client recently who's looking at hydraulic power packs and realizing that they're potentially being left on at time. So, and because they have the data, we can then nudge on that. So it, okay. it just depends on on the vessel and the data at hand, really. No, it's really interesting. And do your clients typically work with you for a period of time, or is it is it during kind of like a digital transformation of some sort? Is that usually when you kind of partner up, or is there another kind of model that you adopt? Yeah, it's normally after they've done the initial stage of a digital transformation, just because that's when the data's there. And you find the normal progress is that a shipping company will adopt a solution. They will start taking data ashore and they'll suddenly start getting all this data sitting in a great big data warehouse. And then the next question is, right, well, what do we do with this data? (laughs) How can we use it? And that's when we come along and we say, well, step one, let's start looking at the crew and seeing if we can can find some behaviors in that data to start to nudge um, and start to understand what's going on. Briefly interrupt this episode to talk to you about our brand new Cordell Beaumont Academy. First suite of courses is in build mode at the moment. And the initial course that we're going to roll out is called the Digital Skills Accelerator. Really excited about this. Essentially, from my recruitment experience and from our team's kind of uh, day-to-day interaction with different businesses in the maritime top technology space and also the commercial shipping space, we're seeing there's a bit of a disconnect between people with perhaps the combination of maritime and technology experience So what we're trying to do is provide some very high level courses, online courses, kind of in in, in video format, bite-sized, four, five, six minutes per lesson, just giving a high level overview of the different areas within maritime technology. So that could be perhaps focusing on weather routing or, I don't know, um, vessel performance solutions, a pre and post fixture, sort of uh, data associated with cargo flows, that type of thing. So each episode will all have a specific top topic that I'll run through. And the idea is to try and help people perhaps that are in, maybe they're in a, a shipbroking role right now, or they are a vessel operator for a ship owner. And obviously they're using technology day to day, or they're being encouraged to use technology, but perhaps they don't have a kind of a too much awareness of the bigger picture or the, the other areas across the maritime technology and the the satellite communication space. So 
The goal is to try and help those people that are new to the digital side of shipping. And also, as we evolve, we're going to produce more in-depth courses. So the initial digital shipping skills accelerator course is going to be run by myself. And then as we evolve into the more kind of advanced kind of masterclass sort of courses, that's mainly going to be held by different industry experts. So it'll be a combination of lecturers, people from businesses, people from the ship owning side. So I'm really excited to get, get that up and running and that'll be with you very shortly. So if you're interested, please do drop me a note on LinkedIn or, or message Callum at CordellBeaumont.com and we'll be able to share a few more details. But uh, I have been posting a little bit about that on LinkedIn recently. So thank you for listening. Back to the episode. Good. And the other, obviously, key topic that we're going to talk about today in this this particular episode is really the role of women and females within both both kind of the maritime space and also in particular the maritime technology space. So you've forged a fantastic career in both of those areas. So if we go back again, if you don't mind, to your sort of sailing days, what was it like for you being a, a female on, on board all different types of vessels at that time? Well, the uniform never really seemed to fit properly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. At times, it was it was hard to be sort of working against decades of sort of stigma and conservative world that really wasn't set up for women. But it was also really exciting and rewarding. I think to feel like you're sort of paving the way for change. You felt a little bit like you're pioneering. But I mean, I did find that the vast majority of the crew that I worked with, they were really supportive and positive, and there was definitely a culture of inclusivity. Um, yeah. But this was a course on cruise vessels where there were already lots of professional women on board um, in other departments. So I can imagine it potentially would have been different if I'd been on you know, a bulker out there um, when, I, when I was at sea. But I think it was very much about getting your head down, working hard, and then just accepting and dealing with the way it was. You just yeah. got on with it. I do think after speaking with some male counterparts in hindsight, they've sort of openly acknowledged that as a woman in this role, you sort of needed to work harder to gain the same levels of respect and acceptance in some circumstances. But for us at the time, the only way to change this was to succeed. So yes, that's what we did. No, I mean, I guess, do you feel like there is still an imbalance uh, at the moment of, of kind of between the female and male ratio, particularly maybe in, in, the, in the cruise space, but also in the more, I guess, commercial shipping space as well? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, they're definitely... There, there yeah. aren't very many women at sea, but remembering, remember, we're um, we're dealing with an international workforce. So any change, I mean, it needs to be accepted by cultures and traditions oh, all yeah. around the world. It's a huge task to try and change. It is slowly changing. There's definitely more women around, and there are some fantastic groups like Wister, for example, yeah, the I mean, International Shipping and Trade Association, and. They helped showcase the significant and you know this increasingly important role of women in shipping, so both at sea and ashore, actually. Um, and I think there's also a bigger question here about how we can improve the work-life balance of all seafarers. It's not just about yeah. getting in out sea. It's not just about equality. I think it's it's about seafarers in general, and I think those two questions go hand in hand, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think the more and more kind of advances we're seeing on the, on the connectivity side of of shipping hopefully is starting to really help the people being able to stay in touch more regularly with their loved ones and that type of thing which i know has been a, a struggle over the years especially when lockdown and covid where they couldn't disembark vessels for a long period of time so yeah that, that, that's, that makes a really good point and i mean as far as the latest kind of trend in shipping uh, sorry in, in shipping technology 
are you finding that your teams or, or the other kind of counterparts within product management and other areas of the sort of SaaS models, different areas, are, are quite kind of more kind of open or, or there's higher volumes of, of, of females or is it generally still relatively male dominated, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think software development generally is quite a male dominated yeah. industry as well. <laughs> so when you mix the two, it still is. But I mean, I am seeing a lot of very driven, successful women in the industry ashore. I mean, there's yeah, definitely still a large male majority, but I think ultimately the reason when I came ashore, when I did, was that I needed to adapt my career to one that fitted having a family. And that's, that, that's the reality of it. And moving at that point allowed me to upskill in other areas and gave me the space to learn about the very complex, varied aspects of not only shipping, but as you say, the other areas of, of software development. Yeah. Um, and I'm also meeting lots of other women and, and actually men for that matter too, who have made that same decision that I did. So I don't think I can speak for every woman's journey in, in this industry, but uh, you know we're all different. But I can tell you honestly what drove me and how I see that potentially driving other women in the same way. And, and yes, you do see a lot of women coming through now, which is really, really exciting. It's good news. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from my point of view, so, so when I was like a few years ago before I started the business here, we, I was helping kind of manage and run the, the trainee broker program at, at Clarkson's. And uh, regularly we, we, would, we would monitor and ask her how many females are, are applying compared to males, that type of thing. And the general trend and theme was always around kind of three to one was kind of the typical ratio. And and we also used to talk to the different universities, um, like CAS Business School, these other ones that used to come in Henley. And, and then again, they'd have a very similar kind of um, ratio. But I think over the time, it has been growing more and more. I'd say the last sort of, I don't know, 20 or 30 so highs that we've done as a business, probably around 12, 14 of those have been, been females. Um, so almost, say, half or so. And they're generally in roles like product management, uh, obviously sales, account management, key account management, those sort of positions, and also business analysis. I think, for my my interpretation, the, the roles that are quite more, a bit more customer fake focused just seem to gravitate as well towards women as a great kind of avenue path for. for but yeah, I, I think maybe I'm generalising a little bit. But that's just what I've I've noticed and seen. In recent years and, and do you think in general terms the the, the digitalization of shipping and how things are moving do you think it's having a very positive effect on, on kind of the crew in general sort of their their welfare and the way they they work their, their day-to-day lives at sea yeah well i don't think any seafarer will deny that the roll out of systems like starlink for example and all yeah. that is a good thing i mean that's <clears throat> better connectivity means keeping contact with friend family mm. uh, and let's face it, better entertainment on board. Uh, we used to have to wait for the newest crew member to arrive with the latest friend's box set. So you just have to watch, you know. So yeah. absolutely, I, I think that side of things, it, it's, it's only positive. But I do think that there's been a lot of duplication of work and adding to seafarers' workloads in this transition, okay. um, which I don't think has helped. So digitalization has got a bit of a bad reputation on board from what I've seen. And we also have to remember that the crew, I mean, they're often fatigued, they're overworked, they're mm. lonely, they're sometimes just getting by till their next leave. And it does take energy to change and to learn new practices and procedures and, and 
learn about new technologies and ways of working. So I think from that, you, I have seen some skepticism on board. And also, I think they, seafarers tend to be skeptics. I mean, they about, about most things, but they're also quite skeptical generally about the shore-based side of the industry um, okay. and, and the motivations behind putting these things on board. It, it's not Big Brother, but you can understand why some of them might feel like, oh, why are they wanting to watch us more closely? And it's, it's about, you just have to bust that myth, basically. And I think the best way to, to deal with that skepticism, in my opinion, is better communication better yeah. understanding mm-hmm. and that can really be achieved through the digitalization process so and who uh, is it that's leading that communication is, is it generally the the ship owners the charterers uh, the, the the software providers themselves or, or the platform providers or a mix i imagine yeah well it's the nature of shipping doesn't lend itself to easy communication the idea that you know you're on board but you've got a charterer you've got an owner you've got a manning agent you've got a a technical superintendent who's on your back there are a number of parties involved in your ship your cargo and what you're doing yeah. um and so communication is it's hard and it's hard for everyone to communicate in um kind of like in in tandem connect Exactly, uh, and it's a it's a lot to be dealing with in, in any one time, and you can see how you just get frustrated. There's just so many different people coming at you with different yeah. things to say. So I think that actually digitalization helps that because it forces everyone to be sort of looking at the same data, looking at the data in the same way. Everyone sees stuff. You don't have to send an email to the captain saying what's the weather like. You can go and find out yourself, and then it starts to become. It starts to help the captain on board. It starts to help reduce the noise in those communications so you can just then get them down to the positive communication the the stuff that's going to actually help yeah. them and of course you need to use your signal system of course <laughs> good um, excellent okay well that's very helpful i appreciate you, you running through your your insights on it's sometimes a bit uncomfortable asking people about the cult the male to female space in shipping and 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 how it's evolving but what i, d- I didn't ask and i mean to ask a bit, a bit earlier on is and I'd love to learn a bit more, to be honest with you personally, about the role as a chief officer. So when you're on board vessels, um, obviously we've got some insight, but just from your point of view, what, what, what was the day-to-day like for you as you kind of, I know you rose through the ranks to get that role, but what, what, what was that kind of chief officer role uh, sure. like for you? Yeah, so when I was chief officer, it was on a, a, a car ferry, fast cat. And, um, and it was all about the cargo and the cargo in this case was getting the cars on board. I mean, the main part of your job is safety. It's always about safety because ultimately it's a dangerous place to be at sea. <laughs> and also if you've got, if you're a ferry, you've got people on board and they are the most valuable cargo because <laughs> yeah, it, it's lives. So it's all about me, um, looking at making sure the ramps are okay, making sure the safety procedures are, are in place, looking at the, you know, the fire extinguishers, making sure that everything's up and together. It's keeping an eye out constantly well, all of those sort of things. So you go down, you make sure everything's ready. You then you know, make sure that the, you get the, the vehicles on board, making sure they're loaded in the right way, in the right order, and making sure that you know everyone who's going to Jersey isn't blocked in by everyone who's going to Guernsey, for example. Yeah. But also then you've got to, you're the one who who knows about the weather. You know what it's going to be like, whether you need to you know put extra straps and cars to make sure that they don't roll around. There's <laughs> play decisions like, you know, if someone is, is pregnant, you need to work out whether they go, they're allowed on board or not. And and you okay. use the weather, for example, to work that out. You know, 
if someone is eight months pregnant, you probably don't want to be in a in a in a heavy sea. But hey, if it's calm, you might make, get away with it. Or if there's a horse box, for example, you know, you're the one who eventually has to go up and say, look, sorry, the weather's too rough. We can't actually take a horse in yeah. these conditions. So you sort of you have to adapt yourself <laughs> to lots of different scenarios. But as the chief officer, it's the cargo that's most of, mostly your concern. The captain is the one who normally does the manoeuvring and that side of things. Yep. So, um, so, the, so the cargo is, is mostly yours. And then, then you sort of assist on, then you go up to the bridge for departure and you assist on, on the passage and you, you drive, as you say, or take the helm for a, for a bit and you, you do watch keep it with, with the master. And then the other side, you, you offload the cargo. And yeah. then on that ferry also, we'd do sort of a week as uh, as days, so the week doing the, the ferry routes, and then a week on nights where you would do the maintenance and then you're on board doing the maintenance, making sure that everything is, is ready. So that was that was that chief officer's job. But depending on the vessel you're on, the chief officer's job changes. And if you're on an oil tanker, for example, it's a different job altogether, really. Yeah. Def- well, no, thank you so much. Really, really interesting um, overview. And I really enjoyed our conversation. So I guess... From a more po- personal point of view, I'd love to get to know you a bit better. Is there a, um, any particular hobbies that you like, enjoy doing in your, in your spare time that maybe people may not know about you? Do you know, I love to walk dog. Probably yeah, okay, the- cool. <laughs> what, what type of dog do you have? Uh, he's a golden retriever and he's lovely. He's right. called Indiana Bones. Oh, wow. Great. No. <laughs> oh, good. We've got three dogs as well. So I yeah, couldn't live without them. They're, they're a bit of a handful, but uh, yeah, great. Exactly. Well, it forces you to get out at least once a day, which is... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so basically anything that's by the water, uh, or on the water or in the water. I, I've, I've got a bit of a sea addiction still. Um, yeah. So I sort of sail or canoe or even if it's just going for a swim in the sea, uh, anything ah. that get me back there. Very nice. Good. Well, thank you so much again for, for joining us. Is, is anything else you'd like to add uh, or, or share with our listeners at all? No, no. I think that, that's covered it. I think just, yeah, do go and visit... The website, Signal yeah. uh, website, it's Signal with an O-L at the end, yeah. not an A-L. And, and also happy, you know, look me up on LinkedIn, find me. I'm happy to have okay, anyone looking to go to sea or come ashore from sea. Um, there's so many opportunities here in, the, in this industry. I'm happy to, to help yeah. anyone. Right. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, I'll be in touch soon. Fantastic. Thanks, Callum. All right. Pleasure. Bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode I really enjoyed my conversation with Harriet. Very interesting to hear someone's kind of experiences and, and point of views for, from being on board vessels, particularly a good 10, 15 years or so ago where technology was just starting to sort of play, a, I guess, a fairly new role in, in shipping. I, I know obviously some solutions have been around for a lot longer than that, but it was interesting to hear how um, they were being adopted. And also, yeah, really, really fascinating to learn a bit more about her view and opinion on females in shipping and, and, and women in, in both kind of shore-based maritime technology and also on, on board the vessels themselves. So thank you again for tuning in. Another great conversation and we've got a number of lined up over the next coming weeks and I will be sharing some information about those. So thanks for joining. Please do like and subscribe the channel. And uh, if you anybody else that might be interested in the show, please do share it with them. Thank you very much. Thank you.